I usually speak at the end of the service. I'm speaking, preaching at the beginning of the service, and that is by design in light of having been through and discussed Job some. We're going to look at a psalm this morning that would tie in with Job as we seek God. But in light of what we discussed this morning, the balance of the service, we want to be responding to God and the relationship that we have with him. I'm not looking for a response to this question. Where do you think Ruth Ann and I would be today if we had a planned relationship? Where do you think Ruth Ann and I would be today if we had a planned relationship? Some of you may recall that Ruth Ann and I met through a box social. A box social is when the girls prepare a meal, put it in a box, and bring it a box, and you're not supposed to know whose it is, and they're auctioned off, and the highest bidder gets to eat with the box, you know, or the girl that made the box. And the guys are not supposed to know whose box it is. Well, when we had our box social years ago, I walked in and I knew this guy was going to buy this girl's box because they were dating. And I thought, there's some other girls here. I don't want any of their boxes. And I saw Ruth Ann, and I never saw her before, never met her before. And I thought, well, I don't know her. Pretty good looking. I'm going to find out which box is hers. And I twisted an arm a little bit of the guy that was supposed to buy the box so that she didn't have to eat with a stranger. And I found out which box was hers, and I had more money than he did. (laughs) So I outbid. But we met. From that point on, we're going to have a planned relationship. We're going to date once a week for a year. I'm going to go home by 10 p.m. I have to talk at least 30 minutes. Ruth Ann has to listen at least 30 minutes on each date. We don't spend any money on dates, and there's no physical touching. For the second year, we're going to date twice a week. I'm going to go home by 11 p.m. I can phone once a week. I must talk at least 45 minutes, and Ruth Ann must listen at 45 minutes on every date. We're allowed to spend $15 per date, may hold hands for five minutes per date, and I may give her a kiss, a peck on the cheek. During the third year of dating, we're going to get married sometime during that year. Dan must speak at least 500 words per day to Ruth Ann with Ruth Ann not interrupting. (laughs) We may hold hands for 10 minutes per date. When married, Dan is to tell Ruth Ann, I love you, at least three times a day. Ruth Ann is to prepare meals at least twice a day according to my satisfaction. We will date once a week at a restaurant, and I have to give her two hugs per day, at least two hugs per day. I think you get the idea that a planned relationship is not a relationship, but a contract by which we measure. This stands in contrast to what I call a trust relationship. A trust relationship or trust covenant, where Ruth Ann and I focus on loving the Lord. We trust one another. We enjoy one another. We focus on on our own responsibility, not on what the other is doing. There's open and honest honesty in communication. There's just an unconditional commitment. Divorce is not an option. A planned relationship or a trust relationship. 
They're worlds apart. Psalm 25 is a psalm of a trust relationship between the Lord and David. And as we consider the psalm, keep in mind that in terms of relationships, that relationships happen. They're experienced. You can't always plan them. They can't be structured. And it's very difficult to analyze a relationship. Relationships are generally not logical. Ruth Ann and I are not real logical in our relationship for the simple reason, if we were logical, we would have never gotten married. She likes music. She'll play. She can play the piano for hours and then. I can begin to play if I wanted to. She's very emotional. I tend to be more reserved. She talks more than I do. And we could talk about a host of other things that if we analyzed and considered logic, we would never fit together. Be slow to analyze and explain relationships. Experience them. We Americans at times tend to plan, structure, analyze, rather than just enjoying Scripture. So as we discuss Psalm 25... My goal this morning is not so much to analyze it, even though I have done my fair share of that, but rather to seek to experience David and his relationship with the Lord. Experience what I would call a trust relationship between the Lord and David. Feel the relationship, not merely trying to grasp the text, and I'm not opposed to grasping the text, but sense the relationship that is taking place. Psalm 25 To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. But they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right. And teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. For those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity. Though it is great. Who then is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in his way. Chosen for him. He will spend his days in prosperity. And his descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anguish. Look upon my affliction and my distress and take away my sins. See how my enemies have increased and how furiously they hate me. 
Guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope is in you. Redeem, o is, redeem Israel, O Lord, from all their troubles. I want to consider this psalm from a trust relationship. We can't be certain of the time period in which the psalm was written or the circumstances involved. But David knew the nature, the character, and the works of the Lord. And my use of the word know is not referring to an intellectual understanding alone. I'm talking about an experience. David was experiencing God. He didn't just know something upstairs in the mind. He was experiencing him. And as we think about that, we find that there's two names of God used in this passage. Lord, Jehovah, ties in with the covenant name of God used in verses 1, 4, 6, 7, and 8. It's the idea of promise. Lord, covenant, Jehovah, promise. God is also used, Elohim, ties in with creation, ties in with power used in verses 2, 5, and 22. Experiencing the Lord of the covenant, of promise, and the God of power of creation results in freedom and openness and communication. David knew the Lord. There was a covenant. There was trust. There was promise. But he also knew the creator where there was power. But knowing the Lord, knowing God, resulted in openness with God. There is nothing to hide since there is a covenant relationship in which God uses his power for the good and profit of his children. What a glorious reality to meditate upon. David had a trust relationship with the creator God who displayed his power on David's behalf. We see that David knew the character of God in verse 5. God, my Savior. For you are God, my Savior. In verse 6, he talks about mercy and love. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love. In verse 8, he refers to the Lord being good and upright. Good and upright is the Lord. In verse 10, he talks about the ways of the Lord as being loving and faithful. In verse 11, he refers to the Lord as being giving or forgiving. In verse 14, David refers to the fact that the Lord confides in those who fear him. And in verse 16, he refers to the Lord as being gracious. David comes to the Lord free and openly, similar to Job coming to the Lord and lamenting to the Lord and saying, Lord, I want an audience with you. Why? Because David 
had a trust relationship with the Lord, and the Lord had a trust relationship with David. There was a relationship of creator, creature, where God displays his power for his creatures, for his and their good. David was experiencing the Lord. This was not a knowledge relationship of distance, but an experienced relationship of intimacy and trust. David also grasped how the Lord works. Look in verse 4. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. The Lord didn't leave David. He doesn't leave us on our own. In verse 5, guide me in truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior. Your truth. There was a standard. God had given the Mosaic law. In verse 9, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Those who know the Lord, they need the Lord's help. They're humble. He guides them. He teaches them. For David to speak of past, truth, humble, clearly communicates he was continuing to experience the Lord. He was trusting the Lord. There was a trust relationship. This experiential knowledge of the Lord deeply influenced David's desires. David desired the Lord. In verse 1, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. The one with whom he had a covenant relationship of trust. To you, O Lord, the sovereign, independent one of the universe, I lift up my soul. His inner being. In verse 2, in you I trust, O my God. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Different name of God being used there. Elohim, power. But in you I trust. He lifts up his soul, trusting the Lord. In you I trust, the one who is powerful. In verse 4, show me your ways, O Lord. Show me your ways, Lord. How am I to go? Israel, time and time again, failed to seek God. David here is saying, show me your ways. Verse 5, mentioned this before. You are God, my Savior. Creator God, you're my Savior. You're my Deliverer. In verse 11, for sake of your name, For sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. It's not about me, Lord. It's about your name. For sake of your name, forgive me. In verse 15, it says, My eyes are ever on the Lord. 
for only he will release my feet from the snare. The idea of a snare being, you know, you're being bound. You can't go. But he says, my eyes are ever on the Lord. Do you ever feel like you're in a snare? You cry out to God. In verse 20, at the end of the verse, well, he says, guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. I take refuge in you. And then in verse 21, my hope is in you. My hope is in you. There's a trust relationship between the Lord, between God, and between David. It's not a planned relationship. David didn't say, well, I talked to God my three times today. I meditated on his word for 15 minutes today. Say, trust. He looked to the Lord in verse 4. He says, teach me your paths. In verse 5, my hope is in you all day long. In verse 7, remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. Verse 11, for sake of your name. In verse 16, turn to me and be gracious to me. Verse 18, look upon my affliction and my distress. David is desiring the Lord. And that yields a deep, from the soul, inner being, emotionally heartfelt honesty with the Lord in his troubles and struggles. There's a trust relationship. Notice David's openness with the Lord. Verse 2. Do not let me be put to shame, nor my enemies triumph over me. We know what it is to back up in shame or hide in shame. David says, don't let me be put to shame. Don't let my enemies triumph over me. In verse 16, turn to me and be gracious to me. I'm lonely and afflicted. Loneliness is no fun. In the midst of loneliness, being afflicted is not easy. And David says, Turn to me, be gracious to me. I'm lonely. Ever been there? Afflicted. Ever been there? In verse 17, he says, The troubles of my heart are multiplied. Free me from my anguish. The troubles of my heart are multiplied. They're not added, they're multiplied. Two, four, sixteen. What's sixteen times sixteen? No, I, I, my mind's not sharp enough but, uh, to figure that one out. But they multiplied. They're big, overwhelming. He just pours out his heart 
to God. The troubles on my heart have multiplied. In verse 17, he talks about anguish. Do you ever experience anguish? David says, free me from my anguish. This one with whom I have a covenant relationship, this one who is creator God, who has power, free me from my anguish. In verse 18, look on my affliction and my distress. Affliction, pain, difficulty, distress. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to head. In verse 19, my enemies have increased. How furiously they hate me. David quite often in the Psalms talks about the enemies that he has and how numerous they are. He says, my enemies have increased. They furiously hate me. I'm not dealing with something simple here. But he has openness with God. My enemies have increased. How fiercely they hate me. God, you've got to do something here. In verse 20, he says, rescue me. Regard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. Trust, relationship, and openness on the part of David. Where he is experiencing the Lord. Where he is experiencing God as creator. There's an intimacy there. He had an openness of soul. This openness with the Lord and passion to look to the Lord is seen in the nature of his request. Verse 2, and I know I mentioned this before. Do not let me be put to shame. Verse 4, show me your ways. Verse 4, teach me your paths. Verse 5, guide me in truth. Verses 6 and 7, remember not the sins of my youth. Verse 11, for the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquities, though it is great. Verse 16, turn to me and be gracious. Verse 17, free me from my anguish. Verse 18, look upon my affliction. Verse 18, take away my sins. Verse 19, see how my enemies have increased. Verse 20, guard my life and rescue me. Verse 20, let me not be put to shame. Verse 22, redeem Israel. The freedom that David has in talking to God, asking for some pretty heavy-duty, unseen things, but the freedom to do that. Psalm 25 is the expression of David's inner person in responding to the Lord in a growing relationship of trust. Trust relationships are experienced. Planned relationships are structured, measured, and analyzed. 
The believer's relationship with the Lord through Christ is a relationship of trust. There are a couple of applications in light of Psalm 25, some parallel passages. Believers in Christ are in a trust relationship with the Lord and Christ. In Ephesians 1, we won't turn there, but in Ephesians 1, Paul talks about the fact that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We're going to be presented to God free from sin and free from the accusation of sin. We've been adopted as his children. We've been redeemed. We've been forgiven. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's a relationship of trust with the Lord. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, we find again, God has taken us when we were dead in transgressions and sins and so on and seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms. In Romans 8, 15 through 17, we find that Paul says there we can cry, Abba, Father, a term of trust. We're heirs of God. We're co-heirs with Christ. Who's God? He's Abba. He's our Father. In 1 Peter 2, 1 through 10, again, a relationship of trust. So my encouragement to you is to meditate much upon the names of God, the attributes of God. Each week we either have names of God or attributes of God, maybe not every week, but at least several times a month, in the bulletin, by design, to think about God and who He is. Meditate upon being in Christ. And again, we have that in the bulletin many times. Our position in Christ, who God is, who Christ is, and what he has done. A second application. Experience the Lord's character, his names, his heart in relating to him. The last couple months, I've probably done it more than I have in the past of going back and rehearsing God's names, his character, and his works. I love to sit and read in the Psalms and Chronicles and Kings to see what God did on behalf of Israel. To reflect on the names of God, Jehovah Shalom, the one who brings peace. Jehovah Raha, he's the shepherd. He leads, he feeds, he guides. And in this relationship with God, we as a body have expressing our desires to him. Express our looking to him to teach us, to guide us in our day-by-day living individually as families, as a local church. Sharing our hurts, our struggles, our pains with the Lord and asking him to work. Experiencing something that I don't think I ever experienced in my life. Leading my life, my wife around. No, she can't walk across the room. She trusts me most of the time. How much more do we have a relationship with God? A relationship of trust. And we can freely share our requests with the Lord. A third application, 
Be naked. And by naked, I'm saying no hiding. Be naked and unashamed with the Lord emotionally, spiritually, socially, financially, mentally, with your beliefs, with your strengths, with your failures, with your sins, and with your victories. David is open and honest with God. He doesn't hide from the Lord. Just very, very open and honest. God, I blew it again. God, this struggle is so very intense. God, why don't you zap my enemy? You know, we may have all kinds of thoughts go through our mind as we go through the difficulties in life. Why not talk to God? He already knows. Be naked. In the sense of open, not hiding and unashamed. Psalm 25. We find a relationship of trust between David and the Lord. Over the 49 years that Ruth Ann and I have known each other, we are growing in a trust relationship and moving away from a planned relationship. We don't keep track of what the other does for each other. We're falling in love with the Lord and Christ more and more. As we two individuals are falling in love more and more with Christ, what happens? We naturally come together closer to one another. We love the Lord together. We pray, we discuss scripture, we worship, we minister, we serve, we give. Some of our greatest experiences in life have just been serving the Lord together. It's not planned. It's a trust relationship. We enjoy and build upon our differences. Oh, how different we are. If we had taken some of the tests, we would have never get married because we're so different. But God is at work. We focus on our own individual responsibilities. We have an unconditional acceptance. We keep no record of wrongs. I couldn't tell you when Ruth Ann wronged me last. I don't think she could tell you when I wronged her last. We don't keep records. We freely confess sin and seek forgiveness. We want to be together. We find our joy and satisfaction in the Lord. We recognize that neither one of us are perfect. We're still in process. And we recognize that we cannot satisfy one another completely. I can't satisfy all Ruth Ann's longings, nor can she satisfy all of mine. They're found only in the Lord. We're learning to be naked and unashamed mentally, socially, spiritually, emotionally, and financially. We don't plan our relationship. We're experiencing it. as we're learning to experience a relationship with the Lord. David didn't plan his relationship. He experienced it because there was trust. With those thoughts in mind, let's sing together, and then after we sing, we'll be praying again, tied in with trust. Travis? Travis?